BJH Hematotalks, a podcast series from the publisher of the Belgium Journal of Hematology. Welcome to this new episode of the BJH Hematotalks, a podcast series that gives you regular updates on practice-changing news in the field of hematology. In this episode, we talk with Dr. Courtney DiNardo, Associate Professor at the MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, about the Fiali A study, examining azacitidine in ANL patients. Stay tuned to be updated within the next 10 minutes and benefit from this regarding the clinical management of your patients with AML. Good day, Dr. DiNardo. Welcome to this podcast. In the Fiali A study, the efficacy of azacitidine plus phenetoclax was compared with azacitidine plus placebo in treatment-naive AML patients ineligible for intensive therapy. What was the rationale behind this study? Thank you so much for the opportunity to be on your podcast. Yeah, so the VLAA study is a really, I think, important study. It really is my privilege to be able to present this data. The rationale is that the majority of our patients with AML are older. Many of them are either for various different medical reasons, you know, not eligible for intensive chemotherapy. And again, this is the majority of our of our patients where we would use a lower intensity treatment strategy, depending on, on where you practice, low-dose cytarabine or azacitidine or decitabine. And certainly the results of um, these lower intensity strategies are reasonable, but the re- responses are the minority of patients, and most patients don't live more than a year from their diagnosis. And so there's been this critical unmet need in the, the older AML population for, you know, for decades. And so there was a phase one study that I was part of that evaluated azacitidine and venetoclax together. And that study showed really impressive responses, you know, 60 to 70% response rates, survival extending well beyond a year. And so this VLEA study was that confirmatory phase three study to try to see if the responses and more importantly, the survival was really significant with this combination as compared to azacitidine alone. And what study design was used in order to examine this? So this was the epitome of the phase three randomized confirmatory trial. So patients who were either 75 years of age or older or patients who were adults with various different comorbidities like heart disease, renal dysfunction, poor performance status, were eligible to enroll on this study. And it randomized patients two to one to the combination of either uh, venetoclax with azacitidine or to azacitidine with a placebo. It was double-blinded, placebo-controlled, and so patients nor physicians uh, knew whether patients were getting venetoclax or a placebo pill. And the primary endpoint was overall survival. Many different key secondary endpoints like remission rate, composite remission rate, time to remission, transfusion independence, event-free survival, and things of that sort. And during the late-breaking abstract session of the 25th EHA Congress, you presented the results of this study. What were the main findings? The findings were really quite impressive. And so just briefly, I'll, I'll speak to response first. So, uh, so with the azacitidine alone arm, the responses were about 28% composite response. And that's that's really very consistent with what you would expect to see with azacitidine alone. So no surprises there. And then with the combination, that improved to 66%, so more than doubling the rate of a composite remission. True CRs also increased from 18% to 37%. You know, what's important is that remissions really happened, uh, responses across the board. So there's a lot of different, really important 
clinical and genomic features that we look at in our patients with AML. So patients with both intermediate and poor risk cytogenetics, de novo and secondary AML, various different molecular mutations, performance status, all patients seem to benefit from the combination in terms of response rates. And so that was really the first compelling finding. The requirement of transfusions improved in patients that were treated on the combination. Uh, Event-free survival was improved, but most importantly, was the primary endpoint, which is overall survival. And again, here with the azacitidine alone arm, the median survival was about 10 months. So again, exactly what we would expect to see based on our historical expectations. And with the combination, we saw an improvement of that to 15 months, 14.7 to be exact. So a clear improvement. The duration of remissions also seems to be quite impressive and favorable in the in the combination. So overall, just really compelling, statistically significant, but also clinically meaningful data showing that this combination really is more effective than azacitidine alone. Yes, quite impressive uh, indeed. Uh, and the VLAA is also called a practice-changing study. How can we translate these results to daily clinical practice? You know, I think that's the million-dollar question because this really does show that this combination is more effective not only in achieving remissions and faster remissions, but also in improving overall survival in older patient population. And so I really do think that this is now should be considered the standard of care, as you said, a a very paradigm-shifting study. So in the United States, we've been fortunate to have this combination FDA approved already, and we have in many ways already adopted this as their standard of care. But throughout the world as well, I anticipate this to become more and more the de facto standard of care. And I will say in terms of using this in daily clinical practice, there are two clinical pearls I think it's real important to talk about in terms of managing patients well on this combination. One is the risk of tumor lysis syndrome, which is really low in this study. We saw only a very small number of patients with tumor lysis syndrome. They were easily managed. Drug never had to be held. But that was because patients to be eligible had to have a white count under 25,000. You had to be on allopurinol or another uric acid reducing agent ahead of time. You had to do that daily ramp up over three to four days um, with daily chemistries. And so I think that's really important because with those strategies, we didn't see tumor lysis. And so I just, I, I hope that that is something that definitely is taken forward into the clinic when people are starting these regimens. That first week is important. And then the other thing is the management of cytopenias and neutropenia in particular. And the most important thing to just make note of is that you have to do an end of cycle one bone marrow. These patients oftentimes will still be cytopenic, meaning that their, you know, their white count and their platelets are low on day 28 of cycle one. And you don't know if that's because they still have leukemia or it's because they actually don't have leukemia anymore. Their bone marrow is clear, but they haven't fully recovered their counts. And so it really is a critical piece of information that we're not used to doing with azacitidine alone, because if your patient is already in a remission, which there's a good chance they are, then you need to hold the venetoclax, wait a week or two, allow those counts to recover before you start the next cycle. And so just a very simple management tool that really helps your patients recover counts and and tolerate the combination well. And what are the next steps from your study group? Oh, gosh. Well, so the next steps are, well, one, of course, you know, making making this combination available for people around the world. Um, and then I think it's important to remember that we're never really done, right? So this is certainly a game-changing treatment combination. But ultimately, 
many of our patients are still going to relapse and they're still going to need improved therapies. And so the next steps for me are trying to figure out which patients are not benefiting from this combination. Patients with, for instance, really complex cytogenetics, P53 mutations, they do well initially, their response rates are improved, but that duration of the prolongation of overall survival isn't as ideal as I'd love. So are there new therapies we can add to this combination in a targeted way or in a genomically personalized manner that can further improve upon our treatment outcomes? So thank you so much for sharing the results of this very important study for AML patients in this podcast, Dr. DiNardo. Absolutely. Thank you so much again for the opportunity. This podcast was brought to you by the publisher of the Belgium Journal of Hematology. For more hematotalks, please visit us at bjh.be. Thank you for listening.